0: Great news guys. On thepassivehang.com, the library of locomotion is now live. What's in the library? Tips, videos, and a growing list of movements to help you begin on your locomotion practice. Check it out now, thepassivehang.com. Thanks everyone for joining once again to another episode of The Passive Hang. This will make it, I think, episode number 22. So really excited today to bring you Misha Baker. Is that how I pronounce it?
1: Well, you can't really pronounce it in the way I would pronounce it in Swedish. Um, So... And I actually had a discussion with with uh, with my colleagues this week. Like, how would you pronounce it in English? Because I don't even know how I pronounce my my last name. But, uh,
0: <laughs> so, yeah. how, how, how do how does your family pronounce your last name?
1: So, in Swedish, I would say Misha uh, Baker. So it's uh, yeah. But in English, I guess I would say Misha Misha Baker Misha Baker. I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> don't worry. As a guy who comes with a name that is quite hard to pronounce, (laughs) I I feel your pain. (laughs) But um, yeah, just making a warm welcome. Welcome to the show. And um, yeah, I guess just to kick it off, you know, how do you describe what you, yeah, what you generally do, what you teach?
1: Uh, It it kind of depends on who I'm talking to. 'Cause the, the the term movement is so broad and so vague and people don't really have any frame of reference for that. Mm. So usually I I just say I do some sort of strength and flexibility with some party tricks to it. And, <laughs> and yeah, that's basically
0: it. And for those who haven't gone onto your profile, I think you know you've got a whole range of party tricks. You know, I see like you know, middle splits, front splits, pancake yeah you know, the helix squat I do want to ask you about that a bit later, so <laughs> i mean yeah' so, so what do you identify yourself normally with like that you are doing like a movement practice, or you know do you not sort of label yourself with that either?
1: I used to uh but I feel like i'm right now i I've, I've taken some a, a couple of steps away from that um I, I actually don't know. I, do, I would just say I, I move because uh, to be honest, most of my training is uh, basically I know if I stop training, my, my body will just disintegrate into uh, pain and misery. So I need to do something, uh, but I don't really need more resources for my everyday life. So, mm-hmm. so everything I do is in some sense uh, unnecessary uh, things so I, I just pick some basically potty tricks and I work towards them because I I need to move in some way. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I could call myself uh, what I do movement practice, but
0: mm. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if
1: I qualify for <laughs> for that.
0: It's a bit of a funny one these days, right? It's like, who's a mover? Who isn't a mover? Do I want to be one? It's like a loaded <laughs> yeah. loaded gun. Sometimes, <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: So, how did you get into all of this? Like, was it something that you're doing when you're growing up? Like, were you very physically orientated, or is it something that came on later on in life?
1: Uh, no, for my whole life, I've basically been, been doing team sports. Uh, so, which kind of made me made me quite linear, and and my existence was only in relation to the opposite team goal and and the ball on the pitch where it was Uh, up until when I was about 20. uh, So I injured my knee and I didn't get a lot of help. So it it took a couple of years to recover. Uh, But I still ate like I was a (laughs) professional athlete. (laughs) So I gained maybe uh, 20 or so kilos in in, uh, six months. So I got out. Yeah, I know. But, but also, I started to work at this hamburger place where I could eat free. So, uh, yeah, that, that kind of helped with, with that process. Uh, so, uh, to make a long story short, I got a gym membership, spent a couple of years with some low-quality bro training, then some high-quality bro training, and then some powerlifting, weightlifting, dabbling into CrossFit, which kind of introduced gymnastics to me mm. and flexibility. And the last piece of the puzzle was I have uh, several friends that are dancers and I've always been in awe of them. But I've, I've always been too scared to, to dive into the deep end of the pool. Mm. Uh, but then I saw this guy on Instagram. Um, his name is Jon Henrik Juven. And um, he was quite strong. Oh, he is strong. Uh, and, but he also was super flexible and graceful. So I asked him to coach me. And asked him to make my deadlift stronger and teach me how to do grand pliés. And that was like the first step to in, into this path of uh, moving in a non-linear way, I guess you could call it.
0: I love this request of like you went to a dancer to not only like learn about these grand pliés, but also to deadlift like. A lot. Normally that doesn't sort of gel, you know, when you think about, okay, I'm gonna to go to this dancing coach for, for training. So yeah, did he have like quite a unique approach?
1: Uh in in I guess for for the the person I was back then is it was totally unique. Now I see that it's not that unique, although I would still regard him as one of the the best out there and, and most influential out there. I, at least for me and in what it does. But it was just a combination. I, I still needed my safety blanket holding the barbell because hmm. that was my comfort zone. And then he could throw in some arabesques and grand pliés and some floor work. And, and I was like, okay, it's not too far away. <laughs> uh, the barbell is just like 10 steps away. You can always go back. So, yeah.
0: And were you also like teaching this stuff at the time or were you just studying it?
1: I had been teaching some locomotion uh or it was more of like the the animal walks uh, mm. or to normal bodyweight strength training um, but not more than that uh, so I guess the the most unorthodox thing I did was to to teach like an ape walk and and maybe some Cossack squats mm. uh, but Not more than that.
0: Yeah. I guess what was sort of driving this curiosity, you know, for a lot of people, sometimes they just, uh, they get stuck, you know, in the bro training or like CrossFit or something like that, you know, which is fine as well. But what sort of drove you to keep on going, okay, maybe I want to try that. Maybe I want to try that.
1: Well, I think it's, it's been there since my earlier teens or later teens, I suppose, uh, since getting all these dancer friends, Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was more a question of when than than if. Um, and then I, when I got into that, that like some starting to do some floor work, and then of course I saw uh, an Edo clip on YouTube. I guess mm-hmm. that's that's the first step into the real movement world. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, oh, that that looks super cool. I want to do that. Um, it's it's just been a mix of everything and and I have a hard time to commit to a single uh goal i'm not that goal, goal oriented so I just tried to do everything and eventually it turned into what i now do
0: um, mm. which, uh, yeah how how so, long's that how's how long's been that journey since you know this sort of you got that first sort of dance coach to where you are now um yeah maybe take us a bit through that
1: uh it will be, I guess, I think four years now. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was 2016. Then I spent two years kind of mixing those, the barbell work and, and the somewhat uh, low quality ballet work in together. Um, and about two years ago, that that's when I took the next step, doing more ring work, uh, more body weight work. Uh, explored my body more than just trying to increase the, the squat or, or bench mm. and learn specific floor work skill. It was now more about what can I do with what I have and how does that feel? Okay, can, can, I, can I make it feel better? Um, yeah, so I guess two, two four years.
0: Mm-hmm. And how does your practice sort of look these days? What do you devote yourself to?
1: Uh, currently, it's uh, hand balancing. That's the major part. Um, then I try to do some flexibility work and some strength work uh, every day. Um, but it's the yeah the strength work. I mean, I would like to get my first one arm chin up and and be more consistent in my hands and push up. It. But I don't spend enough time. It's just to maintain it. Um, mm. So I guess right now it's it's definitely hand balancing and. I've, I've been quite bitten by the bug because when I start, it's hard to stop.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think handstands or hand balancing in particular, there's something about it. It's like so addictive.
1: It really is. And, and so I started six months ago, really training for it. Hmm. Um, and But at that time, I didn't have the capacity to practice more than maybe 20 minutes. So... Hmm. It naturally just I stopped at 20 minutes but now I have the capacity to do I'd say good quality work for maybe four to five minutes and enough quality work for an hour more at least uh, yeah so it's it's difficult it's real difficult because it's it's so accessible I mean you're you're always on a surface so you can mm-hmm. just place your hands down and, and do it.
0: Yeah, I think that immediacy of it, right? It's like you just need a little bit of floor space, you know. Even yeah. like inside a little closet, you could go up, you know, against the wall and then do a little little handstand. Yeah,
1: definitely. And it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying the the practice and, and the progress because i've been <laughs> I've been playing hand balancing for a couple of years now, and I think I. It's pretty safe to assume that I progressed with three months of committed practice more than the prior three years. Mm. Uh, It's been a lot of fun just feeling the progress.
0: Yeah. You mentioned before about how you sometimes struggle on focusing on one area or getting serious at one thing. Um, Yeah. What was that sort of switch maybe with this like recent foray into hand balancing where you're like, okay, like I'm really going to focus on this because sometimes I struggle with that as well. And, you know, with, You know movement or movement practice it's like you could do anything right so with everything sometimes it kind of stops you as well because you don't know what to decide on so yeah maybe what what made you decide going like i'm gonna do this for real now
1: well i'm not actually sure if i'm really doing it because i still do the flexibility work before and the strength work after and i go for a run every now and then So, (laughs) so i've narrowed it down to four pieces Mm. Uh, with some additional floor work every now and then. Uh, but I think it was, well, I've started to create my own home gym in my apartment. Um, and it was, well, I, now I don't have a, a heavy barbell. I, I don't have all the stuff. So it it becomes easy that the choices become fewer, which means it becomes easier to, to commit to to something. Mm. And now... I am committed. So now I can't stop. <laughs> uh, and, and it was pretty good too. Cause it was, I started when the COVID COVID situation started. Mm. So the gym closed down for a while. So I didn't really have a lot of options, mm. um, which I'm really grateful for if, if one's allowed to say that.
0: Um, yeah. It sounds like you adapted well, like, you know, sometimes when, I think for a lot of people when the gym closed down and there was suddenly like this mad scramble to be like, Oh, you know, how can I make the home gym in my place? Or like, what am I going to have to sacrifice? But I like, uh, maybe this forced you to really shift and actually become more clear on something that you wanted to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And, but uh, it was like,
1: for me, it was an easy transition because I haven't known a day where I haven't been physically active. Cause so it would be, To not do any deliberate practice in a day, even if it's just 10 minutes, it would feel like not brushing my teeth or not wearing clothes to work. So I knew I had to do something. So it's just about choosing what to do. And with so few options, it's not that hard. It wasn't for me. So Mm. the shift for me wasn't that hard. So because I can imagine for some people, it was a struggle, but it really wasn't for me.
0: And with your like, programming right now for yourself, like, are you led by somebody or do you do, you do your own programming?
1: Uh, right now I'm doing my own programming. Uh, only for the reason uh, that I'm saving up for a dog. So <laughs> otherwise I would probably have a, a, a coach. Uh, but yeah, I, and I'm also surrounded by a lot of great people and great coaches. So it's mm. really easy for me to... To get advices about what to do, um, yeah, and and I get them regardless of if I'm asking or not. So
0: it's
1: <laughs> great, they keep my friends really keep me accountable uh, mm. to do good.
0: Yeah, it's part of their approach, right, to learning. If you surround yourself with like your community, it really makes it a lot a lot easier. But um, you know, with with programming, self programming, like you know, I think a lot of people struggle with really effectively like programming for yourself right it's it's quite difficult so yeah do you have any tips on how you normally approach that or do you like what questions do you ask yourself when you sit down and you're like okay I'm gonna like write a program for myself now uh,
1: what do I want to do am I willing to to do what it takes to get it I guess that that would be a good start um, and right now it's Fairly easy for me because it's about doing the thing that I want to do as much as possible or as close as possible to, if I can't do it already, as close as possible to it with some minor additions Mm. uh, for some isolated work. So it's, for instance, the middle split. uh, When I trained in quite intensively for that, it was basically some prep work and then four sets of... Uh, three, four minute middle split complex. So it was a whole whole session in in the middle split. I I wouldn't recommend that for a beginner (laughs) at all. Uh, But once you're getting closer to the thing itself, you should spend more time doing the thing itself. Mm. Uh, So uh, yeah, for me, as I said, maybe I haven't said any goals that's too far away, except for the one arm handstand, but that's also, it's pretty basic. Like, do the thing. <laughs> mm, mm. Handstand more. <laughs> Try to shift your weight. Handstand even more. Try, and, and that's basically it, until one arm just floats off. I really believe that a lot of coaches and a lot of people just make it too hard for themselves. Mm. It's Yeah, they start with all the isolated work instead of, Back constructing from where they want to be uh, it's also more fun to all, always do the thing itself or the thing that's closest to the thing
0: mm. yeah there's a there's that directness right like if you really want to learn it, just like try and really just do it rather than doing some sort of abstract of of the thing like recently, I was talking with somebody else as well, like you know nowadays there's like drills for Drills for everything, right? Like you can <laughs> do this, do this. Um, especially with handstand, and then. But normally, it's just like just spending time on your hands is probably going to get you the handstand.
1: Yeah, and even, even yeah. Let's continue with the middle split. You you could basically horse stance your way into a middle split. It wouldn't be the most effective uh, program, but it would be quite effective. However, most people would probably not do it because it would be quite boring only doing one thing and mm. you wouldn't really feel uh, or see the progress in the same way uh, but you could do it that simple mm. uh, but since we are actual human beings with feelings you probably shouldn't
0: <laughs> yeah so how do you accommodate for that say when you're programming for others right because sometimes it is just like just stick with it be consistent just keep on doing the thing versus it's cool or nice, you know, when you receive new movements as well, right? You're like, oh, something new. So how do you normally explain that challenge to your students?
1: That's a difficult one because you, you really have to take into account the personality of the person. If you are If you are able to spend a lot of time over a longer period of time doing, quote, unquote, the most effective thing, uh, I would recommend that, but some people you just like after four weeks they need something new to keep the spark up. Mm. Uh, so I try to explain like this is how uh, I think it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean you gotta switch it up, and most people aren't really at that level where they need. Or the best thing for them to do is spend eighty percent of the time in the position. So and so the isolated work is is easier to to change up um Mm. but it's it's difficult and and i question myself a lot regarding this question like i i I would like for for their progress for them to keep doing this thing but i know i could do it but i also know i'm i enjoy other aspects of this uh, i guess boring stuff Uh, Mm. so i actually enjoy the sensations and not only uh and and the, the 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 control and tempo and and everything. So it does it doesn't have to get me deeper into a position. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so so many other aspects to take into account. But I, I will definitely not require that of of everyone because it takes a lot of mental focus.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you're taking this more human approach, right? Of going, um, yeah, maybe just doing this that thing consistently over eight months it might just be the best way to get there but maybe if you gave that to somebody four months in they would just give up or they would just be like yeah i don't want to do this anymore but if you were to change it up even if it took longer in the uh longer to get there but they kept on going that might be the better approach
1: i I definitely i mean i really try to get everyone i meet to spend more attention to the experience and the sensations mm-hmm. but it's i mean that's something you need to progress in as well how to interpret everything and how to actually direct your attention to these specific spots in your in in your body so you can make i suppose better decisions mm. or or higher cal- calculated better calculated guesses
0: mm. and how do you overcome the challenge of like coaching online where you're not with that person all the time when you try and get them to to bring that focus to particular things or, or start bringing, you know, more conscious awareness, as you're saying, like to certain, certain points, do you have like, do you, do you tell them to do that or yeah? What do you say?
1: Uh, Definitely. Uh, But I thought the transition, Uh, to online coaching would be difficult Uh, but it's actually not because most people that come to me for help are they're either coaches themselves or they're people who have a dedicated practice so they train a lot and they can text me or send videos to me any day of the week Uh, so it's a highly interactive process which makes it a lot easier not perfect there's Obviously, it would be easier to spend every day with them, but I don't mm. want to do that. <laughs> uh, I have my own life, and it's not that important to me. Uh, but, yeah, so it's just a highly interactive, constant dialogue of of small changes. And I, I, the most difficult thing for me as a coach is to, to decide to... That they're ready to hear this piece of information so it doesn't mm-hmm. take away from anything else because uh, i mean it, especially when it comes to hand balancing like a single cue could fuck up your whole session because now you're only thinking of your i don't know external rotation of the shoulder and you've lost the balance now you're not even balancing
0: mm. so
1: it's it's difficult and i'm definitely not always right in this but it's it's an ongoing process for me as well and and I, I try to get better at it. Um, and, and I think I am, I hope so at least.
0: <laughs> I like that. It's almost, yeah, like there's that step where you can you can give over information and then it's like too much. And then it just takes away from them learning the thing or, 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 or doing it themselves, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that it's one of the most common mistakes that trainers do uh, mm. for several reasons always with good intention almost always I guess <laughs> Some do it for the ego look look how much I can about this subject um yeah but having a lot of coaches come to me for advice it's it really makes me up my game because they they have a lot of information of themselves they can ask tough questions to me so I need to be able to answer those questions or at least have an answer to those if I'm right or wrong, I, I don't know. Uh, mm. But I should have an answer to why I, I've asked them to do this in that way, always. Because uh, they are spending a lot of money and time and mental focus. Mm. So I need to spend equally amount of at least mental focus and, and energy on them.
0: And yeah, what are, what are people normally coming to you for? Um... You know, are they, are they coming for like the flexibility sort of stuff, or what are they asking for normally?
1: This is actually quite fun because I've I've noticed uh, a trend. So it's what I post on my Instagram about my own practice. So when mm-hmm. I did a lot of ring stuff, uh, like nine out of the ten was was can you teach me a muscle up, and and then I started posting more uh, of my flexibility work, and then it was can you help me with the splits? Uh, yeah, sure. And, and now it's been more hand balancing. So now, now I get a lot of beginner hand balancers that just mm-hmm. wants to learn how to stand for 10, 15, 30 seconds. Uh, so I guess if I started to jump, they would start <laughs> jumping practice. And, uh, uh, yeah, for, for some reason, a lot of people tend to, tend to put a lot of trust in me. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm trying to do the best I can with that which also means that I have to know my limits mm. um, That that's a tough one too, to say no to mm. people because I- even though you want to do it for your own sake because you want to practice teaching stuff because that will make you a better teacher mm. but it wouldn't be fair to that person so that's that's tough because that happens too
0: yeah what level of practice do you normally try to attain before you go okay like maybe I feel comfortable with teaching this stuff
1: Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't think there's any, like, this is the limit. I, I guess it's more about, am I confident in that? I will provide what they need mm. uh, or am I confident that I will do it good enough? I should say, because there's always someone better than you. Um, but they might not be able to do it. And this, most people just need to start. They need to start something and I don't think everyone should, or the, the students that I have currently should stay with me for the rest of their life. Mm. They should move on, uh, hopefully, or I should progress as well in a faster rate. Um, but as long as I feel like I'm doing more good than harm, uh, that would be, uh, let's do it. Unless I know someone uh, mm. and can direct him to that person
0: yeah it's a difficult one isn't it because um you can't know everything as well and like to a certain point um like people ask for anything as well right and then if you um i mean part of the reason why people are coming to you as well is potentially so that they can also learn at a faster rate that that you can learn as well so there's always i mean that's probably the best outcome is that they outgrow you faster than you can learn. Actually,
1: yeah, hopefully that's 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 the best. But yeah, I just lost my train of thoughts. Was something? Yeah, no matter. Let's <laughs> let's keep rolling.
0: You know, with um, say flexibility training, right? Because you know, yeah. like you go through your posts and you've, uh, yeah, you've got like.
1: Wait, hang on! I just remember what it was, yeah, and because yeah. I think this is an important. Uh, point to get across Mm. is um are you good enough or do you have a better option because you really don't have to be the best Mm. but if you believe that you are the best option for them right now there's no reason for you to say no and worst case scenario um you you have an online coaching phase of four eight weeks and you notice like okay this this isn't working and, and two months out of my life or two months out of their life isn't that much or it shouldn't be that much. Mm. So good enough is underrated. Um, I, I should say. Or that's my point of view,
0: mm. at least. I like that with the fit as well, because yeah, you're right, like, you know, especially with COVID now, like everyone's an online coach, but it's <laughs> like <laughs> but it's like, you know, for that person at that particular time, yeah, maybe you uh, are you are just like the best choice and the best fit, right? Because you're also willing and ready to help them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you you wouldn't ask a a professor in algebra to teach like toddlers how Mm. one plus one. So you you need to find that match. Mm. It might not be perfect, but it might be the best option. And and that's still pretty fucking good.
0: Mm. So yeah, maybe taking it to like flexibility training, right? Because, you know... I've seen you post some like pretty cool stuff around, you know, how to get head to toe, pancakes, splits, bridge, you know, these are all pretty common, um, I guess, flexibility goals now, these days. Um, Yeah. yeah, I guess what, what has been your process um, towards getting these, uh, I guess, flexibility goals? Um, What's been, what's your journey been like?
1: Ooh, I, I guess one of the most common questions I get is how long did it take for you to get, x hmm. and, and it's a really difficult question to answer for me because i'm i've been fairly all over the place so the answer would be either four months or four years uh, depending on how you view it because most of the time i've just added in like some head to toes here some front split pulses there and i've been doing my cossack squats split squats and rdls and every now and then I just get the urge to to go for it. And I spend three, four weeks really committing to, yeah, the front split, let's say, and then I get bored and I want to do something else, but I never stop doing it. I always want to maintain what I've uh, obtained. Mm. And in that process, I usually make a small progress. And when I go for it, it like the, the progress in those four weeks, it, they're immense. Uh, mm. Probably because I prepared myself for four, five, six, ten months. Um, so, as a personal example, I, I would be a pretty bad example mm. uh, for, like, for the middle split. I think I spent three by four weeks, but it, I spent four years doing something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm really happy that I chose to do do it in that way mm. uh, because I really enjoyed still doing other things except for the thing itself.
0: Mm. And maybe, you know, with that approach of going really in- intense with it and then cooling off afterwards, maybe that actually helped you as well, right? Because sometimes if you keep on, you know, doing too much volume or intense after a while, you, you may have negative returns if you push it too much.
1: Yeah, people, myself included, for sure, are horrible at taking deload periods of time, whether it's uh, two, three days a week or, or I guess a couple of months of one thing to do something else. Uh, and I remember I was super scared of this. Uh, and yeah, like if I missed a day, I was scared that like the whole world would come crashing down on me. <laughs> uh, but then I, I went traveling for six months and I was quite ill during that time. So I, I did maybe four sessions in, in six months. And then I got back and within two months, I I PR'd basically all of my lifts Mm. and I was like, mind blown. Wait, you don't regress to like a weak, sad human being just because you take six months off. Like this is this, it gave me so much confidence to actually step away from, from, uh, from certain practices and then just take them up on a later stage.
0: Mm, I think that's a really important point, right? Because especially when you're in good rhythm and you're like, you know, this is the plan. I can keep on going. You're like, Oh, if the plan goes away, that's it. All the gains are gone, right? (laughs) It's like all this wasted time.
1: I mean, it's the fear of missing out on, on progress is it's just not valid, especially if you look at professional athletes that take, I mean, even Olympic athletes, take like six months off sometimes, not mm. doing anything,
0: mm. and
1: they are the strongest or the best in their particular uh, sport. Um, so if they can do it with that much of a stake, I mean, uh, uh, a random guy in Stockholm should be able to do it as well. Mm. Who really doesn't care about being able to do that that much, just want to do something. <laughs>
0: I guess we operate you know in these in these natural cycles, and they're to be respected, but um you know one thing I did want to ask you was, okay, rest day, dreaded rest day what what do you do on rest day?
1: You know this year is the first day I've learned how to take proper rest days um, i'm not really sure what happened It's been a slow process uh, I, I used to get worked up. I used to try to push a session in every day uh, and I, I used to say no to a lot of other events uh, uh-huh. or social commitments, which I don't do to the degree right now. So it's I guess you could call it uh, one of my movement goals for the year to actually take days where I don't do anything, um, or I do very little, just some motionless lotion, now I want to feel good stuff. Mm. Uh, like yesterday, I, I didn't do a single. Did I? No, I don't think I did anything. Um, and yeah, uh, but it's difficult because it's also so much fun and it, it does feel good to do certain movements. Mm. I mean, you always feel better after doing some spinal waves. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but it's a practice staying away as well.
0: Mm. Um, I think it definitely is, you know, like the practice of not moving. It's like the biggest test for all of us.
1: Definitely. Mm. uh it's not an easy one definitely it's <laughs> hard.
0: so uh maybe bringing it back to the, the to the flexibility uh, you know with yeah. w- when people come to you and they're saying you know like, i want the middle splits you know like mm-hmm. what uh, yeah what do you normally ask them back in return and how do you normally start approaching programming you know to get the middle split
1: Uh, Well, everyone fills out a form, so I get to to know them a little bit better. Then we have uh, a Zoom call or a Skype call. Um, Then I send them some... I I want want a video assessment, so I send them some of my videos and I ask them, do this. Uh, But don't push yourself too hard. I just want to see how Mm -hmm. you move and how you get into positions. And based upon that, I'll create the program. and when it comes to flexibility work, it's basically um, active, relaxed, uh, the strengthening side, uh, sorry, the lengthening side, the shortening side, uh, and then the methods can may vary a bit, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's it. Uh,
0: do you have any sort of all, like... All,
1: and of course, always do the thing itself. In, <laughs> in the uh, you should never do that.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, yeah, do you, do you have any like favorite favorite go-to exercises for for this sort of thing say like you know you mentioned the horse stance before is it that or is it just going for an active middle split what's your preference
1: i mean there's there are some some like bang for the buck exercises so the horse stands for for the middle split uh the long lunge for the front split so there are certain but there's a lot of nuances to them, them as well i mean you could and here, here's one thing I, I really love about uh, positions like that is mm. how the intention kind of dictates how, how you direct the force which will uh, progress you in this, this direction or that direction. So you can do a horse dance for a pancake or you can do a horse dance for a middle split. Mm. Both will help each other, but some depending on the cues, you'll a- either have more progress for a, a pancake or a middle split. Uh, but yeah horse dance is given pissing a dog is a given even though Mm. it i know it will hurt their soul it's it's good for their middle split (laughs) um and and some sort of a middle split itself
0: yeah Mm. and what what sort of cue do, do you normally give say like for a horse stance to be performed well you mentioned like there's slight changes from like a pancake to a middle split sort of focus yeah what do you normally direct direct them to do so the
1: the pancake i usually tell them to go into like i start with going to your deepest horse stance squat that's number one because i want you in a deep hip flexion i want an anterior uh tilted hip or pelvic because that will mimic the the pancake position the, their toes can be flared out to the side a little bit because mm-hmm. most likely they will be in the pancake um, they can lean forward with their torso as long as they drive their chest up. Um, but for the middle split, I might do uh, tucked hip, feet more forward. Um, so small nuances like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously, depending on what kind of resources that the person is sitting on. Some some things they just can't do yet so yeah. have to get to that point. But smaller adjustments like that make makes a whole difference.
0: Yeah, I think that was my experience as well. With you know, um, getting guidance from somebody as well, you you get introduced to this movement, and you're like, "Oh, I know this movement." And then the way they teach it, or the way they cue it, then you're like, you know, it's like this light bulb mov- moment that goes off with you, and you're like, "Ah, oh, that that's what I should be doing."
1: Yeah, especially if you have the frame of reference for the sensations, because because mm-hmm. if you do the horse, for, for example. Uh, with a tilted hip, um, you'll feel the hip flexors a lot, and you'll feel that from the way you've been doing your pancake reaches, for example. Mm. Uh, so you can connect the dots and, you're like, okay, now I'm doing it right for this specific reason.
0: Mm. So it's like once you build up that basics for awareness of those certain positions and which like those muscles, when they fire up, then Mm -hmm. even if you're doing it in another sort of position, you're like, Oh, okay. Like I can see how the transferability is now going to jump across to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another common, uh, thing I've seen in this industry is that, that everyone's focusing on the differences between stuff, but when, I think we should rather focus on the similarities. So, how much alike is this exercise or position to this exercise or position? Because mm. that will depend on how, how transferable it is, and mm. those small adjustments is what makes the difference. Mm. I mean, mm. if you would be, if you wanted, a, if you came to me for a pancake, and you were like stiff as hell, I would, like a Jefferson curl might be the closest thing to to your pancake. The the only thing that I will basically be a difference in the positions is that you're, you will be spreading your legs a little bit and then you would sit down. Then, then it's the same thing. Mm. So how, yeah, how similar is it to the thing itself?
0: Mm. I, I like that. I like that. And then that sort of broadens your range of tools as well and your understanding to then go, okay, like I can use this for this. I can use this for this. Yeah. You know, you talked a little bit about party tricks before as well. Like, so what would your most, uh, I guess, prized party trick be in your arsenal?
1: Um, it it depends on the context because a helix squat will be pretty impressive for for the movement community, but it mm. does does shit for a normal person. They're like, just <laughs> of, you just know. uh, so it kind of depends. For them, like a straight handstand is far more impressive. <laughs> 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 so you, you kind of have to know your crowd to be able to to get the chair
0: <laughs> that's a really good point i never thought of it that way that uh, you'd probably bust your ass to get this like helix squat that you finally like yeah. you know it's something that you could just do in front of it uh, um, and yeah. anyone and they just go oh what is that
1: <laughs> i mean the the dragon squat uh works on pretty much everyone mm. so, so that's a good go-to
0: yeah with with the helix squat, I, I find this like a really interesting sort of movement yeah like how how did you build up the strength to perform that because i say you know with the hips you need such great rotational capacity like um uh, what was it like for you to learn this oh <laughs> uh, I, I actually just tried
1: it one day and i did <laughs> uh but I, i'd say so i i, I did i mean obviously i i had done a, quite a lot of hip mobility stuff but the thing that i, I really uh, i think made me able to do it was the understanding of of how of basically well let's bring it back to handson center of mass over base of support. Mm. so how do i use my upper body to to do this movement as smooth as possible and and when i do it it looks a little bit fancy because I wave my arms and I rotate my upper body, but it, it does have a purpose because mm. my knees are going one direction. So I want my arms going the other direction. Mm. Depending on how mobile I am in my hip, I will either have to lean less or more with my upper body. So that was the thing that made me, oh, okay, now I can do it because I know how to use my upper body to, to maintain uh, an efficient movement
0: yeah that's really interesting because you know when you first sort of see it you just think lower body right you're just like oh, i need to like put my hip out this way put my knees out this way um and you forget about maybe yeah the counterbalancing of the arms and how the upper body rotates so uh, from what you're saying it's more like an efficiency of coordination um that you have to understand to get us
1: yeah like the the helix in itself is. Quite useless, I would say, uh, as, as an as an exercise to build anything, uh, but it's it's incredibly valuable uh, how to learn how to counterbalance and how to yeah. understand body positioning. Um, I, I I have used it once or twice with some some clients because um, it's I wouldn't say it's a risky move uh, unless I make it risky for them, but it's yeah. there are. Better ways to to teach that, um, mm. basically uh, standing on one leg, reaching one leg out to the side, and then you just well, hey, why don't you use your arms? And they always reach further to the side because now they reach with their arms to the other side, and, and boom, now they now they understand that they that the body is a unit, and mm. this, and I love talking about this concept because one of the things that I see is that people always want more and more. They want more strength and more flexibility. They want more resources, but, but they can't even drive their own car right now. Mm. So, so learning how to use what you already have is equally important. Um, but I think most people forget that they, they think that the reason they can't do this thing is because they don't have enough of something. And and from my experience, people have a lot more than they think, and it it could be a simple cue or a simple concept to understand, and Hmm. all of a sudden they unlock this whole new world in in a single session. I mean, it's it's at least worth trying.
0: Yeah, what do you see as you know certain concepts that? are poorly understood, like like you said, like a lot of people just seek, okay, I, w- I want to be stronger or, or I want to be more mobile, you know, outside of these sort of a- attributes, what do you normally find that you have to go through with your students?
1: Well, that's a basic one, just your body in the realm of physics, the, like counterbalance. Um, then, then one concept is the, the concept of moving through space. So if there are no spaces to move, uh, through, you won't be able to do it. So, you actually need to create space in order to be able to move through that space. And that's a ring muscle up is a great example of that the transition. So, have you created enough space for you to move through that space? Mm. Uh, and, and floor work as well. I mean, uh, if you position, like do a simple shoulder roll, if you lean your head the wrong way, you, you probably won't roll over that shoulder <laughs> because your head is in the way. Mm. So the concept of yeah, creating space
0: mm. is, is valuable too. That's like how to organize the body, right? Yeah. Organizing the body through space. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Mm. And as I said, it's at least worth trying because you'll notice straight away if the person takes away these limitation if they can do it or not. And if they can't, well, now we can start working on attaining more resources.
0: Mm -hmm. i like that approach um you know when i see some of your posts as well like um you've also you also post a lot of things which i mean maybe going more along that helix squat uh, line like not party trick but like this sort of like out of alignment sort of strength um like i think one time i saw you do a post and it was like jefferson curls but it was like to the side or something kind of kind of sort of twisted Uh, (laughs) um yeah what's your take on all this sort of uh I don't know what you call it, unconventional sort of strengths. Is this something yeah, you very intentionally tr- tra- train for?
1: Uh, I rarely train for them. I, I, I try them out every now and then. Um, it's, it's mostly a way for me to show, uh, people that they don't need to be afraid of movements. Mm. Uh, they don't need to be afraid of, of their body. Uh, the way I view it, there's there's two types of movements. There are controlled movements and uncontrolled movements. And, and not saying uncontrolled is dangerous at all. It's just, uh, depending on what you're doing, some sort of a, an, an uncertainty to it. Uh, but if you can control the movement itself, like go ahead and do it. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're twisting your spine in a Jefferson curl or if you're doing a regular squat. Um,
0: yeah. Do you find this like, Could transferability then to when you test your body out in these sort of like weirder positions, but the majority majority of your training is still centered around more traditional positions.
1: I would like to say so, uh, but I really don't know because I do them quite rarely. Mm. And, And when I do, uh, movements like that it's most it's not to see how far I can go or how, how heavy I can go although it's that every now and then too uh, but it's more like how does this feel okay I saw this guy doing doing like heavy uh, barbell back squats and then started rotating his torso and then starting to tap the barbell to each side and I just wondered like, how does that feel am I able to control it? If I'm not able to control it, I won't continue mm. doing it. Um, so it's more about my playing, keeping, keeping this the spark up in my relation to my own body as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like this experimentation, especially with like weights. Um, I feel myself like I'm quite confident in experimenting with weirder positions if it's just like body weight or I'm like contorted in a certain position. But when it's like, really loaded in such a way such as that uh that squat where i don't know what you're doing but you're kind of levering to the side right and touching the the barbell to to the floor yeah for some reason that 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 kind of scares me a little bit
1: but i I think it's because we make a distinction between body weight and and weighted work well while the body doesn't know uh exercises sets or reps it knows tension and position Mm. And, and tension like you, you can do body weight work that has a far more tension than than barbell work. Mm. Uh, take the the Nordic uh, curl for for an example. Uh, the same sensation, but with uh, weight some somewhere, you would probably be scared shitless. Mm. But because it's body weight, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> even though it feels like it's tearing your hamstrings apart, and that you just want to call your mom and cry
0: <laughs> yeah so, i think i've had that uh, sensation or or rather just the sensation of going like i'm falling and i'm going to smash my face into the ground <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, don't do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no,
1: it, it's something interesting doing weirder movements with or unconventional conventional movements with a conventional um object that that really uh makes people go either you shouldn't do that or wait what is that even though the movement in itself it, i mean it's you're sitting down looking to one side mm. or leaning to one side i mean it's that's nothing special but put a barbell on it and, and all of a sudden it's like this is mind-boggling is that <laughs> even okay should you still have his membership
0: that's true that's true isn't it because you know you you'd you'd very like commonly just bend over to pick something up right and that's like a contorted sort of position right but um yeah it's uh that that's an interesting thought it it makes me want to experiment now
1: (laughs) i mean i'd say go for it but but don't be stupid (laughs)
0: yeah yeah. because
1: it's fairly easy to get stupid when you're like you try it out with an empty barbell perhaps and then you're like i wonder if i could do it with this or that amount um, on like no don't be <laughs> stupid be cool but don't be stupid
0: <laughs> you know one question i wanted to ask you that you know about this industry and maybe like what you see at the gym like what's some like common bad training advice that you see sort of circul- circulating around that kind of pisses you off
1: well, I have a trouble some relationship to the technique, uh, the whole perfect technique, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I really believe it's a valuable tool for beginners. Mm-hmm. But I also think it, when instructed in, I guess you could call it the wrong way, it can become harmful and actually just build fear of movement and feel, build fear of the person's own capacity to, to move and handle load. So I'd say that that's definitely one thing. Um, and uh, oh, I thought of one more. Hmm. Yeah. So technique, it's I mean, I love the concepts, but it's you, you need to know when to stop talking mm-hmm. and, and maybe add some new ones to it, which is maybe the most common problem in the world nuance and context, it's, it's difficult uh, because it makes everything more complex.
0: Yeah, I guess because that's hard for a coach as well, right? Because sometimes, you know, you kind of learn through your own body. You see other people's sort of technique. It's based on this like technique framework as well. So at, like what point do you go, okay, yeah, like but that technique's good versus like, okay, maybe i just let that go. And that's, that's like an individual style.
1: Yeah, I think many people they can't really differ between good technique and efficient movement pattern, because I think everyone wants to have that. Per, uh, trying to teach the person an efficient movement pattern, which it often is, but it doesn't mean that the other positions or, or changing your knee a little bit here or your shoulder here, it's dangerous it's just less efficient in many ways Mm. Uh, but it it would be nice to have a less efficient option as well because you there's no reason to only have one option
0: Um, yeah Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it about it maybe it's like that that intention right because sometimes intentionally you know it's good to train into in these more efficient Stronger movement patterns that are more natural to you, but then also, as you said, expanding your options. You also got to embrace the suck, right? You got to, you got to put in that time to, to do things where you're like, oh, this is not so comfortable, um, to maybe better prepare yourself as well, right?
1: Yeah, and it, it strikes me as quite strange because if we would just sit on a, a bench in the park and watch people move, most positions they would go through, wouldn't be the most efficient ones, Mm. Uh, but still we're, so this is a a flaw that I do with my own practice. My quite often is that I make the practice or I perform the practice in a way that will make me better at the practice, but not anything outside of the practice. Mm. Uh, So I I keep myself within those frames. And and once I've gotten to that point, that's a, a signal for me to now I need to switch stuff up. Um yeah, because it's it's easy to get stuck in in the repetitive and most efficient way and then eventually just get better at the thing itself. Um uh, and although I think movement and, and moving your body is quite cool and feels good, I mean it's it's an hour, maybe two hours every day, except for the crazy six hour.
0: <laughs> and you know, outside of you know moving, training. But what else do you enjoy enjoy doing?
1: Um, I enjoy walking. I I love just walking, and I live close to two lakes and a lot of woods and, and green areas. So just walking, sitting by the lake, reading a a good fantasy book. Um, yeah. Then I don't do that much else right now. It's a lot of work. Uh, then my movement practice, hanging out with my friends every now and then, and just. Try to enjoy the the time I have here.
0: <laughs> you know, um, for those that are listening as well, Misha was, uh, I guess, fortunate enough to come over to Australia. Was it um, earlier this year, or yeah? What what sort of? Uh, I want to find out a little bit more about that story. Like, what brought you over to Australia, and maybe more importantly, why did you leave?
1: Um, well, what brought me over? What so? I told you before, but I, I built this uh, company, this training company with some friends of mine and it was going really well. But I knew that I wanted to try this online business stuff uh, and working especially towards coaches uh, themselves. Um, but I knew I couldn't do it back in Stockholm because I was so connected to the company and I knew I wouldn't be able to, to stay away basically. So I decided that I needed to leave Stockholm. And then my best friend had just moved to, to Sydney. And we talked one day and she was like, well, why don't you come over here? And, and I didn't really have an argument to why not. So, so I went over because I had nothing better to do. Uh, <laughs> and, but my plan was like, okay, I'm going to do the nomadic coach life. I'm going to stay there for, for a month. and I'm, I'm going to travel onwards and I'm going to go through Bali because that's where it's supposed to be. Uh, but man, I fell in love with Sydney and Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. So I spent a year there. And the reason I left was well, I am, even, despite my, my appearance, I'm 32. Uh, so I couldn't get uh, a visa
0: mm-hmm.
1: except if I started to study. So I, I looked into the options for, for studying, uh, but I wasn't really sure. So I thought to myself, well, I'll go home see how i feel if i want to go back if it's worth it and and then corona came and i got stuck here
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're all stuck here inside our inside our homes so uh, never mind about that you could be in sydney or or stockholm i think it'll be the same experience
1: (laughs) i i always think stockholm is better right now because we've had almost no restrictions only Mm. recommendations so it's been like my my life hasn't been affected at all, except for that I can't travel abroad.
0: Mm-hmm. So what did you, um, what do you, do you sort of uh, think about Australia and Australian sort of movement culture? Um, you know, is there like a S- Swedish movement culture or is that like sort of big uh, to like, is it easy to connect with people over there with this sort of stuff?
1: Uh, I'd say it's quite easy because there's not a lot of us, um, so there, there's, it's a growing community for sure. There's smaller groups every here and there, but not really, I mean, I knew going to Sydney that like AIM uh, Academy would be there. Um, the Movement Collective would be close, and, and Fall Script. And so I knew that there was a lot of, a, a bigger movement culture there. Uh, yeah. But what I didn't know was that Australia is a big country. <laughs> So I was like, everything looks pretty close on the map. Then I got there. It's like, shit, it's a flight away. Uh, So uh, I didn't really put that much time into uh, to travel to all these places and meet all these people that I wanted to meet. Um, I was fortunate enough, though, to have some friends already there through connecting online, Mm. especially through the online movement university where... We were all a part of at that time. Um, so, I mean, you have had two of my friends on the podcast uh, Oliver Crossley, which is like he's just an amazing guy. Uh, I would like to pick his brain every day, mm. and, and Daniel Lucini, which I would like to pick his heart every day because that, <laughs> that man has a big heart.
0: Mm. Um, They yeah, they're they're two very special people and you know for the all those listening as well, like yeah, I think these these two guys uh yeah, just really open, honest people as well that uh I I think are very forthcoming with information and, and giving of energy.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I've learned so much from them and I will probably learn from them for the rest of my life because they are people that are worth paying attention to and worth taking uh, their what they're sharing into account.
0: Mm. And so this online movement university, I've I've seen this around, you know, it does look pretty interesting. What's um yeah, what's been your involvement there? Have you sort of taken workshops uh with them?
1: Uh yeah, I've been to so it's basically the, the pitch is the Netflix of movement. So it's the physical <laughs> education, I think it is. so, so every four weeks we have some sort of a specialist in in their particular form that teaches us for, for the month. And then there's workshops every now and then. Uh, So I went to the Sydney workshop and then I stayed basically. Mm. Uh, It's uh, yeah, it's a great community, really supportive and inclusive, which isn't always the case when it comes to the movement community. Uh, And yeah, it's highly interactive if you, wish, or you can just sit back in a corner and just take part of all the good conversations and lessons that are provided in that, that forum.
0: Yeah. I think one of the good things through getting into, you know, this particular niche or culture or whatever you want to call it is, um, yeah, for some reason, maybe it's cause like through Instagram as well, now you've got this direct message function, but it's quite, it's really like this great way to connect with people uh, as well. Like, you know, online movement, um university or whoever it seems to be yeah something going on where i think like part of what i enjoy as well is this connection where like you can just reach out and then you bond over yeah just doing handstands or something crazy like that
1: i mean most of my closest friends i've gotten from connecting online and and when it comes to the knowledge aspect of it uh I meet a lot of trainers here in Stockholm, that or mm. a lot. But I meet people who are like, "Where did where did you learn all of this? Where did you go to school?" And I'm like, ninety percent of what I've learned is from people I've connected with. Mm. Uh, so, so if you're listening to this and you want to learn more, uh, connect with people. People have. There's so much good information out there, and most people are really willing to share it because it always feels good to to, to share what, you know, um, to actually put that into use. So yeah. Connect with people. Don't mm. be afraid.
0: <laughs> and you know, if there was one person that you could really connect with that you haven't connected with before, like who would that be? I well,
1: I'm going to go Aussie right here and I'm going to say Rod Cooper. He seems uh, like, uh, like just the best human being, super cool guy. Uh, I would want to say awesome hair, but he just got a haircut. So <laughs> yeah, but that, that will probably be the one. It just feels like a person that you feel good around and that wants, to, uh, wants the best for you. Mm-hmm. So definitely go to the Movement Collective in Newcastle one day.
0: Yeah, yeah I've been there myself, and I can say it's a it's very special energy it's like a really awesome facility. It's a lot of fun. I think they nail it on the fun aspect as well so if anyone's like thinking about you know passing through any movement facilities and it's like going through that uh New South Wales region uh in Newcastle, yeah definitely hot tip, yeah for sure, yeah so I guess you mentioned like your, your hand balancing practice, um, you know, how do you see your sort of practice developing on from, from here? Do you have like uh, ideas of where you want to sort of take it and how to keep on developing yourself?
1: Well, for the first time in, in years, I have like one clear goal that I really am um, emotionally connected to, and it's the one arm handstand. And I don't know why, (laughs) but I don't need to know why. I just need to know how I feel about it. So I know I will pursue that. Um, And from my understanding, it will take a lot of time and a lot of practice. So spending time on a practice will not be uh, the difficult part. It will probably be taking rest days of that. Um, I guess that's it. I mean, just try to maintain my strength uh maintain my, my conditioning uh and keep my eye open for new party tricks to test and to try. Uh, that's basically it. Right now I'm I'm pretty narrowed down on what's important in my practice at least and that's the that's the hand balancing. The rest is just a lot of fun uh with some some uh some games
0: to it. <laughs> And um, you mentioned before uh, before we started recording this chat as well uh, that you were you were starting this new project or this new new company is it? Uh, maybe yeah. Could you share a little bit more about what you have planned?
1: Uh, yeah, so it's uh, there's two guys, two friends here in, in Stockholm. They started this uh, company called Gymnastic Fitness uh, in March. So that was bad timing. Um, so <laughs> I guess we. Probably, uh, yeah, and, and so what I lacked, this is going back to like connecting. So what, I, what I've been lacking with uh, my other job uh, as coach and the online coaching is uh, spending time with people that uh, were pulling each other forward, were, were pushing each other to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I connected with these two guys and I asked them like, what is this project? Can you tell me more? And then we start talking, and, and now I'm a part of it. Mm. Um, and and it feels great to to connect with people that I feel like they can make me grow a lot, and I think I can help them a lot too. And I think we we don't really have the same vision for the company, but that doesn't really matter right now because it's still at like stage one. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited about that uh, to teach them some handstands and some gymnastic strength. And I'm, I'm going to try to get in because uh, they're like more towards the gymnastic way, which means quite linear, quite much body tension, pointed feet. And I'm going to mm. try to get in some some tasks and some nonlinear movement patterns in there. Uh, basically, I'm going to try to convert them into uh, what the Insta world knows as <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds like it would be a good, um, a lot of fun and, you know, probably much needed variety for, for whoever is, is attending. Um, so, you know, if I was down in Stockholm as well, I'd probably yeah I'd definitely come down for a class, but, um, just, uh, yeah, just thinking for, you know, all those listeners out there, if they wanted to connect with you, send you a message, um, you know, what's the sort of best way to get into contact?
1: Well, definitely Instagram. So it's human.mvmnt. So human movement. Um, don't really use Facebook. Don't really have anything else, I guess. Uh, if you really if you really want to connect with me, you can Google my name and find my Swedish phone number. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, but other than that, Instagram is definitely the best way. And I, And I tend to spend a little bit too much time there. So I'll probably answer fairly, fairly quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I guess, you know, for all the, um, you know, really keen people, you know, the super stalkers, they can find that phone number. I'll, I'll make sure yeah, that my address is on there too. So we just come knocking on the door. <laughs> how, how did that even happen? No, normally you should have some like privacy settings, that sort of thing. <laughs>
1: oh, no, Sweden is an open country unless you go in and change it itself. Like everyone's phone number and addresses are online
0: oh really Uh,
1: birthdays it's where you work it's you can find a lot of stuff uh um yeah
0: yeah definitely a different country indeed but um yeah thanks so much for your time today it's been a pleasure talking with you we went through yeah quite a range of topics i found it like really interesting i'm really looking forward to digging back through and then yeah re-listening to this one
1: Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun, too. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And, yeah, let's do it again sometime.
0: Episode 22, done and dusted. Thanks to Misha for jumping on and chatting. I've been wanting to reach out and connect with him for a while, and it was awesome to yeah, really get a sense of the feel of his personality, which I was getting from, from his post. He's really approachable and friendly. And thanks to you guys for sticking around once again. Remember, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have some feedback. Just reach out. You can find me on Instagram at phaonp, at P-H-A-O-N-P. And yeah, send me a message. Also, Wouldn't hurt to also share it with a friend as always. So I'll see you guys next time on the next episode.